Hi everyone, this is Vasil. I did Eurovision 2020, 2021, and wishing you all an amazing Canada Day coming up this Saturday. A chanter la grande Canada hey, hey. Welcome to Building Bridges. I'm Sebi. I'm Jan. And I'm Dave. And we wish you a collective happy Canada Day and joyeuse fête du Canada for this special bonus episode. So we've come together today, pun intended, uh, again to mark the 156th anniversary of that time when Canada asked the UK politely for its independence. So we're going to go back and look at how Canada is linked to the Eurovision Song Contest. And guys, I'm actually really excited because I never get to talk about my own country on the podcast. I mean, we've just come out of 2023. We got to talk about Joker Out, Tay and Selena quite a lot because we like those entries so much. You guys must be exhausted from talking about Slovenia and Austria. And probably listeners tired of listening about Slovenia and Austria. So I think it's, it's a <laughs> <Yes>. great opportunity <laughs> to talk about Canada for a second. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a subject I think that gets overlooked because obviously everyone knows we've brought one winner to Eurovision. But we've also had some other really, really good performances that almost won and one that kind of we could forget about, but uh, we'll, we'll look at that in a minute. <laughs> um, and actually, the EBU has tried before to bring Canada into Eurovision. I've uh, done a bit of research, as I always do, before an episode. Shocking, I know. Um, so, And this I didn't know, that back in 2006 already, there was a talk of a U.S.-Canadian Eurovision-type show. Uh, with the EBU officially, but then that kind of stalled and then disappeared. And of course, uh, last year in 2022, there was the American Song Contest, and there was supposed to be a Eurovision Song Contest Canada, but uh, that appears to have suffered the same fate, I guess, after the <laughs> abysmal uh, ratings of the American version. Um, our, our big boss, Martin Osterdahl, of course, was interviewed in Liverpool. Somebody actually asked him about Eurovision Canada, and he said, and I quote, We thought it would happen, and it kind of took a step back. We are still hoping. The original avenue that was pursued closed, but we are hopeful. So I would translate that to say it's not going to happen. <laughs> no, yeah. There's no way. Polite. Polite. Yeah. Very Canadian, Martin, yeah, but it's, yeah, it's not going to happen. So Canada is pretty much saying merci beaucoup to Eurovision. Maybe it's for Merci, you. mais you never know. <laughs> merci, <Right>. mais non. <laughs> But um, one thing is we are quite different from our southern neighbors because uh, as many Canadi uh, Canadians out there can say that, yes, we truly belong in the Eurovision family, unlike the U.S., because we participated. People forget. I mean, it comes to my mind right away. The 1987 and 1989 Eurovision Young Dancers. I mean, who can forget those two magical evenings? <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. The Canadian Beautiful. Broadcasting Corporation actually entered. Oh. And because it was so long ago, it's, it's very difficult. I haven't seen any footage of this. I've been looking all over the internet. I can't find it. If anybody is listening, has these recorded, it would be great to see them. 
But uh, Canada debuted in 87 and came back in 89, twice with French Canadians. So we had Stéphane Legat, who danced, I almost said sang, who danced in 1987. And that year they just announced the top three. So Canada was not in the top three. So I'm going to say that we got fourth place. <laughs> exactly. It's great. And then great it's a great record. And then two years later, they had 14 countries, and that was too many. So they did a semifinal, which wasn't aired. And Canada didn't make it out of that semifinal. No. So not so good. But we had another uh, French-Canadian, Cherise Barton, that year. So I think that's going to be a theme as we go through. There's going to be a lot of, uh, of French-Canadians, or at least French-language uh, involved in this. So besides the obvious, besides Mademoiselle Dion, if I asked either of you to name any Canadians who performed at Eurovision, who comes to mind off the top of your head? Cherise Laurence for me, and I'm the only one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, it was a big reveal for me that she's Canadian. Like I was like, what? Aren't all Luxembourg entries French? <laughs> like, for me, it would be Natasha uh, Lapierre. Natasha Lapierre. Saint Pierre. Yeah, Saint Pierre. Okay. Um, that would be my my thought of of Canada. Mm. If we don't talk about 2023 edition. You know, oh, we're going to talk about that <laughs> a little bit later. A little bit later. A little bit later. We're going to we're going to go in order, so we'll get there. Uh, so yeah, Sebi, Cherise Laurence. Do you remember what her song was called? L'amour de ma vie. I mean, come on, like, it's, it's, it's not, right? It's not just me. Like, people don't know this song nowadays. Of course, it was third place. Maybe they do. Maybe. Some of them. Yeah. <laughs> I, it did come in third place, but, like, but like there are older songs that you have heard of. Like, we've all, we've all heard of Anne-Marie David. We've all heard of some other songs. But this one I've never heard of until I started looking this up. <laughs> to, to not know who came in third place in 1986 is a shame. I well, think actually yeah. that La <laughs> is a lot better than uh, both Papoumoua and J'aime la vie. Even though J'aime la vie is a very dear outro, I still think that, you know, just uh, arrangement, <laughs> I think uh, L'amour de ma vie is probably better than those two. So we're going we're gonna to rank them as we go through. So I'm just going to grab a pen and some paper, which I have nearby because I was working today from home, which was fantastic. Did not work from my jacuzzi Ooh. outside at all. That did not happen. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so Cherise Laurence, she represented Luxembourg in 1986. Uh, as far as we can tell, without going back and checking passports, she is the very first Canadian to step uh, onto a Eurovision stage. Of course, not for Canada because she couldn't. Uh, she is now Cherise Stevens. Uh, not sure if she got married or she just got sick of Laurence. Sounds French, but she is from one of the least French parts of Canada. So she goes on to represent Luxembourg. Of course she does, in 1986. <laughs> um, and as Sebi said, she got third place behind Switzerland and Belgium, 117 points, which back then was uh, quite a lot. And uh, I'd like to point out, too, that this was Luxembourg's best result 
until their withdrawal in 1993. They would never do as good again after this. So, so this was really a watershed moment for Luxembourg because after this, their results really kind of fell off a cliff with one small exception, which we'll talk about in a second. Sebi's very excited. But Cherise came back to Canada. She had a kind of a hit in 1988 with a country song. So very not like what she performed at Eurovision at all. Uh, although I guess when she learned French to go to Eurovision, she was able to do a French cover of her country song. I don't know if you guys have heard French Canadian country music from the eighties, but um, always it's it's its own genre for sure. We'll put it that way. Uh, last I could find about her, she was appointed a musical director of a community theater in a small town of about 20,000 people north of about two, two hours north of Toronto back in 2006. So it's quite old. I'm not sure if she's still there. So how did you find L'Amour de ma vie? Mm, I think it's definitely one of my favorites from 86. I think um, she was a little bit timid life. I love the studio version, um, but still like this is a fabulous song. And I stand by that. That was the best French-speaking song of that year. So I would definitely <laughs> give it a 10 Ooh, out of 10. 10 out of 10 already. Okay. Yeah. I would go with a solid 7. I actually enjoyed a live performance. I might enjoy studio version a little bit better. But like it's, I still think I agree with this on Sebi. That it's such a fabulous song. And, um, okay, I, uh, of course, have to disagree because that's just who I am. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just found it a bit too, you know, ballads aren't my thing anyway, but this one was quite slow. And I agree with Sebi. She didn't seem that comfortable on stage. It was almost cringy at times. Like I was feeling bad for her, feeling empathy. Like, you can do this. Come on, finish it. Although I know it happened like almost 40 years ago. Um I'm I'm honestly shocked this came in third place, although I don't know 86 that good other than obviously Belgium from that year, but I will give this, I think, a 3 out of 10. So that is a 20 overall from the three of us. Uh, and now, Sebi, you know who's next? Well, it's crazy how 88 like produced two world stars in the same year, and like they're both Canadian. That's it. Well, yeah, so this, this, is, this is the tricky one because some people won't agree with our inclusion of Lara Fabian on this list. In 1970 in Belgium and before Eurovision she had sold over 20 million records worldwide so she was already one of the best-selling Belgian artists ever uh, before Eurovision but I just find her so fascinating because she like born in Belgium obviously family moves to Sicily when she's a kid so she grew up speaking Italian on top of French and well Flemish or Dutch um, and then she does Eurovision and then she moves to Canada after 
That's why there might be a little asterisk next to Lara Fabian because she wasn't a Canadian when she was at Eurovision. But then she moved after and got citizenship. So then, like, I feel like we can claim her as a result because it's like, you know, it's a technicality, but she's, she, she counts. She counts. So then, well, we're going to take her anyway, right? So then I'm sure she learned Canadian French, which is a little different. And she was in, in Montreal for a while. And then she goes back to be with her parents. And then she moved back to Montreal um, quite recently, about five or six years ago. All this, uh, and like Luxembourg is nowhere in any of these travels. And then boom, 1988, she's on stage in Dublin for Luxembourg. I mean, just it's it's an incredible background. Um, RTL snapped her up actually in Luxembourg because she had been doing festivals and she had been touring just as she was getting famous in Belgium, and they saw her and invited her and said, "Do you want to sing for Luxembourg in Dublin?" And then Quar was born, and boom, fourth place, which again then was Luxembourg's best result until they withdrew. So. I thought it's in, impressive. And again, I do point out that her connection to Canada started after her Eurovision success. One could say because of her Eurovision success, but uh, after Eurovision, she moves to Montreal. She launches a North American career. And uh, Jan, interestingly, do you know what the name of her first album was after moving to Canada? Uh, happy Canada Day. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Carpe Diem. Oh, ah, well, that, that could be, that could be in my little watch. connection to yeah. Slovenia. So, yeah. So Sebi, start us off. What did you think of Quar? Um, I think it's a shame that like, this was the one French ballad in 88 that the juries universally ignored <laughs> and it went for Celine instead, because like, I, I mean, you can't really compare the two, like the songs are quite different. Um, I think just that Ne Partez Pas Sans Moi was more of a, more of a usual ballad. And I think Croix is pretty unique in its structure. Like it's more like, you know, a begging more than a real like ballad. that <laughs> feels the same all the time. And yeah, I love it. And I really like Lara Fabian as well. It's amazing. So what would you give it out of 10? Uh, 12. <laughs> uh, so a 10. <laughs> Another two. Wow. Two tens to start off for Sebi. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, I I love Lara Fabian, and I think that that like being in 1988 and producing such a big names, you know, inside of competition was purely, you know, uh, a joy to watch. And 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 she's an amazing artist, and I love, you know, apart of apart from her Eurovision song, I really am fan of her works out of Eurovision world. So. Um, I I love the song and I listen to it quite often. So it's I would I would go it with I don't know seven out of okay. ten. Not bad. Um, yeah, I'm somewhere in between both of your comments. Uh, now that Sebi said the structure, I think that's what I don't like about it because uh, I I like the parts where she builds and she's loud and has like when Quar I can't re reproduce it obviously I'm not gonna. Uh, deafen our listeners but uh that that's the best part for me but then she has these parts of the song where she's so quiet and timid and that just puts mm -hmm. me to sleep but uh comparing her to canada's last uh participation for luxembourg where Sherry's 
like Laha, obviously, like she, she was already a professional. She commanded the stage. She didn't look nervous. She just went out there. She owned it and did a great job. Um, shocked it was only fourth place. I don't know off the top of my head who got second and third that year. I'm sure Sebi does. Uh, the UK second was Scott, Scott Fitzgerald. Oh, right, right, right. right. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about that in a second as well. Yeah, in one second. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's too bad. This could have easily been a third or second, I think, that year. So I'm going to give this one also a seven. So that's a 24 for the three of us, which puts it in first place so far. Yay. I think it's time to hear what our guest has to say. So you might find it strange that Vasil from North Macedonia is our guest for a Canada episode, but as he'll explain, he's almost as Canadian as maple syrup. So now you're in Chicago, but anyway, happy Canada Day. Um, can you tell us, can you teach us, how do you say it in Macedonian? Or how would you say it? Ooh, Sreken den na Canada. Sreken den va Canada. Okay, I think... Uh, oh, that's that's easy for you, Jan. <laughs> I mean, easier. Definitely easier. Easier, yeah, easier. yeah. yeah exactly. Well, um, would you like to start telling us what is your uh, connection to Canada? Because you're like from Macedonia, obviously. Yes. You grew up in the US. Uh, how did it come about? Yeah, so born and raised in Macedonia, then we lived in Chicago. I did junior high school and high school here. And then I was supposed to study in New York. And then little drama kind of got me out of the States. And then wanted to come back closer to Chicago and looked up online music schools in Canada. And the Royal Conservatory of Music, Glen Gould School in Toronto came up. And I said, I'm going to go there. So I flew, did an audition, got a full scholarship. So I did my undergrad there. And then did University of Toronto Opera School after that. So stayed in Toronto for about 10 years with a year in Calgary, where I did my internship with Calgary Opera. So I think it is fair after a decade, you say I'm an honorary Canadian. Definitely. Oh, for, for sure. You and I'm coast coming to back coast. next week to record. So <laughs> I will be in Toronto for 10 days as of next week. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a perfect opportunity. Like, I mean, is 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 that the way that you will be able to celebrate Canada Day already, or um, you will just? Um, do you have any memories? If so, from the past. Oh yeah, but for me, my memory with Canada Day when I was living there, usually Pride Parade was linked with Canada Day, so mm-hmm. we kind of did two in one. So happy Pride, everyone! Too, by the way. Yay. And that for me, and also to add to the Canadian, my mom's partner is Canadian. So we always, any Canadian holiday, even though they live in Macedonia now, mm-hmm. we always celebrate Canadian Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving. So, you know, it's... There's always, Canadian. <laughs> there's always a good reason to celebrate, no matter where or exactly. no matter what the occasion is for. Mm-hmm. You, sound, you sound more Canadian than I think some Canadians are that have been to more places across the country. I know so many people that don't travel, have never been across the country. You seem mm-hmm. like you're connected on, on all three um, coasts. <laughs> sure I am, with the exception of I don't out and about and a... As much, <laughs> very. Co- it's actually a funny story to share. It was I was performing in London, and somebody said, "Wow, your accent is a combination of Toronto and Chicago." Somebody I've never met, and I'm like, "How the heck do you know that?" Because <laughs> Chicago, ten years in Toronto, but for somebody to pinpoint, because Chicago is very bright and twangy, and then I always said Toronto is very neutral, and so yeah, somebody had hit that nail on the head by getting both of my. English experiences. 
Follow Building Bridges on Instagram at building underline bridges underline podcast. We'll hear a bit more from Vasil later in the podcast, but for now, let's get back to the songs on our Canada Day list. Now, Jan, do you want to introduce the next one from 1988? Of course. Of course. One and only, never ending, <laughs> show stopping, never seen before, another bus, another club. But no, Celine Dion, you know, it's probably one of the, if not the biggest artist of all time who won. You know, I remember watching um, one of her most recent Eurovision interviews. I think it was from 2013, and she was explaining how she was approached to sing for this another country and so on and so on. Of course, we are talking about um, Celine Dion. Uh, Before Eurovision, she was making her first waves in Quebec and born the youngest of 14 children in 1968. She was discovered in the 80s by her manager and later her future husband, René, who was, as he said, moved to tears the first time he heard her sing. Yeah, but like Um, he was born in 1950, if I recall. Yes, yes, I think him he was a little bit older. A little um, bit, yeah. Yes, but you know, love knows no age. So she was twelve. Hello, she was twelve. She <laughs> she was twelve. Well, but um, as said before, she she pretty much went on this Eurovision stage, and she I, I actually got a chance to meet Scott Fitzgerald, who was you know runner up from that year, and I talked to him saying, you know. What was it feels like? Because I think if I hear Sebi can enter the, the game, but um, correct me if I'm wrong, but like wasn't Yugoslavia who actually messed up UK's victory in 1988 because they were like they, voting. They were lost. I mean, messed votes. up. They were, yeah. Yeah. And the thing was that uh, I I still enjoy this song so much. It's like, and just not so long ago, I actually discovered that Euroband, that was Iceland 2009, it, did an English version of, of that song. It's like a bit, you know, like uh, totally... Of ne de you know, moi, not of go. Not of it's Don't Live Without <laughs> Me Now. <laughs> it's it's in English. And and it's, it's a banger, obviously. But like speaking of Celine Dion, she became, you know, one of the biggest artists of all time. And... and for some reason, everybody likes to remember that, but not herself. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Kind, kind of like, it's funny, that, kind of like ABBA uh, to some extent, right? Because if, if, if anyone yeah, but, wants yeah. to quote famous winners of Eurovision, they, they usually say ABBA or Eurovision or Slay Beyond Story. Um, I guess some members of ABBA more than others, but like as a, as a foursome, I guess as a foursome, they have other issues, but yeah. Yeah, but I would say that ABBA, I'm, I mean, there's this huge, you know, celebration of ABBA next year of 50 years of winning Eurovision. But like, still, like, I don't think there's 
they're distance, distancing so much from it because uh, you know here and there they they get involved like when when Eurovision was in Malmo in 2013 they you know created a theme song etc so but like i think Celine Dion was I, I i mean she put her song i think on one album and it was pretty much it she was never singing it out of Eurovision circles um and she never performed it. Actually, I was actually looking all over the internet if there's any Ne Parte Pas Moi performance, which is not related to, you know, her winning the whole thing. But um, for me, it's still one of the biggest classics of all time. And I and I really do enjoy it. Yeah. It... Not so much. I wasn't a fan of her dress. <laughs> and I'm aware that I'm not alone, including herself. But like, you know. The song it, is it is fantastic. it is a shame because it did so well. Um, she she was asked, yeah, she was. You're right. She was asked to go to the Swiss national final. Her manager, of course, Renee at the time, who would become her husband. Um, I mean, he he really like he even mortgaged his house to help launch her career. Like he was yeah. all in from the get go. He flew her over to Switzerland. She competed. They had a national final that year in a small village. Well, not too small of uh, Marge on the lake, uh, on Lake Geneva. And yeah, she, um, she competed. She got the full uh, vote from all of the juries, except the Italian jury, of course, because they're not going to vote for mm. something French, obviously. Of and course. Uh, of course, like you said, she goes to Dublin. She beats uh, Scott Fusero by one point. Uh, thanks Point. to Yugoslavia. So thank you, Jan, for thanks that. Thanks to Yugoslavia. Yeah, Yugoslavia yeah. for that. Yeah. <laughs> but what I really find interesting, if you watch the 1989 contest, she they, they it's basically a Celine Dion concert at the beginning because she comes in, she yeah. she reprises Ne Pacte Pas and then she sings Where Does My Heart Beat Now? She premieres that. And of course, as a child of the 80s myself, I remember that song growing up. And of course, back then, I had no idea about Eurovision or any of this or the fact that it was premiered uh, in Lausanne at Eurovision 89. It's just, uh, it's just incredible, right? And um, oh, yeah, she goes on, has a huge career across the globe, releases music in English and Spanish, Italian, German, Latin, Japanese, Chinese, blah, blah, blah. But for some reason, she never went back to Eurovision. We don't know why. Except that no, she never she never really performed that song ever again. No. Like she never no. really she she does a little blurb for what was it, one of the Irish Eurovisions or was it the UK Eurovision? She showed up on that little TV during the intro, do you remember? It must have been ninety seven, right? Probably. Where they interviewed all the former winners. Could be, yeah. But uh, that's it. She kinda of vanished and like Jan said, like you just you, you don't see Ne partez pas sans moi ever again. It just it disappeared into the ebbs of history. Sebi, what do you make of uh, the first Canadian winning song? Not even so much. Um, I think it makes totally sense why she won because like the singing is outstanding. And even like um, compared to Lara Fabian, I think Celine was definitely a better vocalist that night. But honestly, I think a lot of the hype is just because of Celine and who she became later. I think um, song-wise, it doesn't stand out from, you know, Si la vie cadeau or like other French-speaking winning songs. And I actually like the other two more than Ne partez pas sur moi, just when you talk about songs. 
So I would be with a seven for this one, maybe. I mean, probably there's a lot of people going and saying, you know, for Celine Dion anyway, I, I would particularly particularly go here just for a song and for, for her being, you know, a powerhouse. Um, and I will definitely, if we are having votes, uh, you know, until 10, I'll put it 10 out of 10 because it's amazing. Yeah, I agree. Um, of the three so far, this one is my favorite. Um, and not because, like, I'm not a big Celine Dion fan. I could, wouldn't even be able to tell you what her most recent song was or her album. But uh, I don't know, every time I hear it, uh, I try not to look at her dress, but like, I don't know, my feet are tapping, I'm singing along, like it's it's a nice little hit. So I'll give this one an 8. So this gets a 25 from the three of us, and we have a new leader. So we skip ahead a few years now, staying in Switzerland, it's now 1993, and a young Annie Coton, who was born just outside of Montreal in 1975, steps onto the Eurovision stage again for Switzerland, having won their national final that year with Moi Tout Simplement. So me, all simply, doesn't make sense in English, but... Rolls, rolls off the tongue a little bit better in French. We'll give them that. Uh, and again, uh, w- winning all of the jury votes except the Italian regional jury in Switzerland uh, with her song, with her French song. Heads off to uh, Mill Street, of course, in 1993, and she comes in third place again, this time with 148 points behind Runners Up UK and, of course, um, Neve winning for Ireland. Since then, all I could find is that she's been uh, a singing and theater trainer at a few camps around French Canada in Quebec. And her bio says that in doing so, she's participating in the emergence of a whole generation of new young artists. So she reminds me a bit of Suzanne Georgie. She's the Quebec Suzanne Georgie. <laughs> <laughs> So, Sebi, what do you think of Moi, tout simplement? I think it's uh, somehow the anti-L'amour de ma vie, because I think for this one, the song is super basic, like, honestly. But the live version is incredible. Like, how she belts out those high notes is amazing. And then I think this song is proof that orchestra should probably return to Eurovision or at least that orchestra had the ability to really enhance a song and improve it because I never really listened to this in studio version but whenever I like you know look at 93 I definitely watch this live performance because it just you know fascinates me so yeah it's not my favorite song on the list but I think it's one of the best live performances so I would go for like an 8 out of 10 maybe okay not bad yeah. Uh, well, as you know, Sebi pretty much said it all. It's it's one of the songs which definitely, um, you know, you, you listen to to the live performance because, like, when you when you hear something like that, you you almost you know you almost don't hear it in the studio version. You don't hear this kind of you know empowerment in it, and mm-hmm. this is this is what makes it amazing. 
and uh, for me this is a you know total eight out of ten. Oh, okay. Um, this one was another discovery for me. <laughs> another one that I didn't know existed. Uh, when I think of '93, I think of the the battle for first place. I think between the UK and Ireland. Um, not uh, not not my favorite Canadian entry. I think I'd give this one a five. Just again for the vocals. Uh, she again, she seemed very professional. Like she did quite well on stage. Just uh, not my type of song. So. That combines for a 21 for the three of us. 21 out of 30, so pretty good. Which is still not enough to take off the lead. Dun, well, of course dun, not. Dun. Of course not. I mean, you, you gave it a 10. Of course, like, it's going to be hard. <laughs> maybe uh, the one that you mentioned earlier, Natasha Saint-Pierre, maybe she will take mm. over the lead. Can she beat Céline for our favorite Canadian song? Find Building Bridges on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. This, uh, this Natasha Saint-Pierre, she comes from again, another, another French song being sung by Canadian, of course. Um, she's from New Brunswick, which is in Atlantic Canada. The French she used during the song was definitely European French, because had she sung this in New Brunswick French, known as Acadian French, uh, none of us would have understood a word. It's completely different. Okay. So it's, it's messy. messy. That's a good word. Yeah. It's messy. But uh, what wasn't messy was, let's see, segue, was Natasha's performance in Copenhagen. Classy. We thought it was very messy. Oh, (laughs) oh, good God! Anyway, she, um, she, yeah, she was again another internal selection. France didn't have a a final in two thousand and one. She had gotten famous actually in London. She was playing uh, in Notre Dame de Paris in the West End, and she got some exposure there. And she was chosen by France Télévisions. She goes to Copenhagen in 2001 with Je n'ai que mon âme. So basically, I only have my soul. And she comes in fourth place. So yet another uh, very strong finish. We haven't had less than a fourth place yet from a Canadian. <laughs> yes. uh, and this, yes, yes, we'll get there. And this remained France's best result for 20 years until some song represented France in 2021, which I don't want to talk about. Um, but, <laughs> awful. Anyway, but she goes on. So this, the, the post-Eurovision, Natasha, she released 11 albums, one of which topped the French charts and went gold. So that's huge for a Canadian artist in France. And she's still at it. Her most recent album was last year, 2022. And it also charted in France. Uh, she's also been on a couple of seasons of The Voice Belgique, and she even commentated for France in uh, Copenhagen again in 2014. So she's still kind of in the community. 
we we know at least that she's still alive. We do. Yeah, we don't have to ask if she's yeah. alive or dead. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. We have proof. <laughs> so uh, so Sebi, try try and be gentle. No, no. I um. This is like we always do this. Uh, you know, weekly theme sometimes. You know, on other platforms and like when it comes to favorite song of your birth year, this is always my choice because I do think it's the best song of two thousand and one. But um bus. yeah, here comes look, the bus. Great big bus. I can I can still get over the hairstyle and the dress because I think that's early two thousands fashion. Oh my god, you look at it and like you don't even need a date. You see the image of her with that hair and it's like, oh yeah, that's two thousand and one. <laughs> yeah. All yes. the girls look like that back then. So I can tolerate that, but why in God's name would you add that horrible English line to the song? And why would you say, I would rather be dead? Why would you call it that? It's not, it's not a translation. It's just an addition. Uh, you could like literally hear the televoters stop voting for it at that exact moment. And that's what ruined it for me. I think this could have definitely been a possible winner. But I think that's what's ruined it. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, I really like the song still, even though it wouldn't deserve it. But I would give it a 9 out of okay. 10. Okay. Jan. Well, I mean, it's it's no secret that Natasha gave, you know, this is an, an amazing performance, actually. Uh, the song is like, you know, well-regarded, um, showcases her vocal talents, delivers a message, and and it's, it's pure emotional breakdown, which we all live for, and, and it's, it's amazing. And, and I love it. I love it because I, whenever I have a men men mental breakdown, I think about Nat Natasha, obviously. Uh, so yes, I I I really do enjoy it, and yes, I really do enjoy it. So how how much out of ten do you enjoy it? Oh, I give it eight. Why is that a Just surprise? Like I said no, 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 no. It, it it's an amazing song. I love it. And I can't wait that we, you know, stop recording this. I'm listening to it. I will just put in the queue on Spotify. Oh, I know. I can hear it in my head right now. And I think, Sebi, the reason um, why I ranked it as high as I do is because I'm probably thinking more of the, like, fully French studio version, which is what I listen to when I hear it often. That one is amazing. That one is the beautiful. performance, of course. Yeah. And I actually forgot uh, until I, I made the reel the other day for the for this episode. And was like, what? English? What? Oh, my God. Right. She ruined it with the English. And she did because the vocals were flawless, uh, as Jan said. And I get the feeling. And I mean, I'm sure it was originally written in French. Like, it just feels like that song should be sung in French. And the switch to English is just so awkward. Not that. But um, just for the vocals and the song without the English, I'm going to give this a nine as well. And that gives us a 26 overall. Impressive. Very impressive for a, what, 22-year-old song? And here's Vasil again for part two of our interview. Uh, mm -hmm. Did you pick up any French while you were in Canada? Oh, we And I studied French in high school, so that, and by doing opera for 13 years, French was a very big part of the repertoire, so I can right. get around order my coffee, go to the bathroom, you know, Perfect. do a few swear words and a few Quebecois phrases, you know. The good ones or the bad ones? 
It's a bad boy. Of course, it's the of bad course. Boy. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so, uh, because no, I'm just asking because we're we're doing this whole episode on on Canada's kind of little little teeny tiny history in Eurovision, and there's this theme that most of the songs that Canadians have sung have been mostly female ballads, but mostly in French. So we just wondered if you, without any previous knowledge, if you could name any of them, do you know any of them? Just because most of them are in French might make it a bit tougher, but if you know French, it might be easier. Evidemment is the, I mean, of course, that's the last one. Who was it when I was in Tel Aviv? I know that the Greek singer was from Canada. Yeah. And I cannot remember the song. <laughs> then you got Celine, and I guess I could be an honorary. I mean, yeah. the producer for Here I Stand is Canadian. Okay. So here I stand. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got to get Celine Dion. That's the oh, easy. Of course, Celine. Of course. <laughs> yeah, she is. That's not a little. That's a humongous triumph. Yes, for, huge. For yeah. in Eurovision. So. Yeah, basically, Canada has already won Eurovision once. <laughs> mm -hmm. What was it? Even I remember in 2019. I cannot remember his name, but one of the producers for Luca's song, Switzerland, was Canadian as well. Can't remember there, there is a huge uh, connection. I've even met Canadians here that have Swiss heritage. Mm -hmm. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know until I got older that there were so many Swiss Canadians. Yes. And we've sent a few of our singers have participated for Switzerland, and there have been songwriters and composers, and even back in the day, uh, orchestra. Um, what are they called? The conductors, right? Have been Canadian yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, but what's your take on this? Like, there are some rumors that say Canada might be participating in Eurovision in the future. Um, what is your opinion on that? Do you think they have what it takes and do you think they should eventually? Of course, and they should send an honorary Canadian to represent them uh. and take the picture. <laughs> Canadian broadcaster. <laughs> no, I think that would be great. You know, Australia did it, so why not? If that mm. happens, I'm all for it. Like Rotterdam for you was like over two years ago, and mm -hmm. now you know that some time has passed. What stays with you when you look back at your personal Eurovision participation? What stays with me that it was so monumental because I mean, literally, we were prisoners, we didn't get a chance because of how strict yeah. the protocol still was. Mm -hmm. We didn't get to interact at all. So I'm so thankful that I went as a coach, ghostwriter, and back vocalist for Tamara in 2019 to experience what Eurovision is. I was just so about to say. Yeah. We did it. I mean, it's I'm what I think about it, my nose still hurts because of how many tests we had to do, especially whoever stepped on stage. Yeah. It was like, I'm like, just be nice. I got to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> all these COVID things that keep coming up. But it was still, it was amazing, you know, the magic. And to be the first global event to put on such a spectacle after the world shut down, that was Eurovision. That was the first. So that power, I mean, it was amazing. Despite, yes, for me, I had a lot of baggage and drama coming with the situation that I came in, but I was so proud yeah. to stand, pun intended, here I stand, <laughs> deliver, <laughs> deliver in the way I am very, very proud of myself for being able to to do because the song is deceiving. It may seem like an easy song. It's a very hard, naked song to sing. And we made the choice to do the staging very subtle, but very intricate. So it's something that to me has opened many doors. You know, it brought me here to record. It has helped me stay here now. So it's things are 
And I feel if I have to say intuition, I don't know if my journey with Eurovision is done. Okay, building <laughs> so. bridges listeners. Anyway, this is a little exclusive anyway. <laughs> But before we grab way too much information out of you, Vasil, maybe uh, you, you are just, you know, you're releasing your song, Rhythm, and you're promoting it in, in the States. Uh, what are, you know, kind of summer plans for you? Are you going, are you gigging or what's what's the... So my thing was, uh, once again, personal, because of switching the status to having decided to live and move uh, to Chicago and settle in Chicago, I was not allowed to perform for about a year and a half, which just lifted, I mean, not lifted, I got my amen and green light to both travel and work. So I started my performances two weeks ago and it was an amazing um, performance, which I got to premiere you for the first time in the states i got to sing rhythm and dangerous waters for about 17,000 people at the soldier field stadium as the wow. pride game i was the pre-game show and the halftime show of the pride night for the chicago fire soccer game so that was an amazing like hey here we are so the energy was amazing i was shocked to see how well received not shocked pleasantly surprised to see how well you was received You know, and just the moment you say, I want to dance with you, everybody, they didn't know it, but it's like, they're all bopping, they're all singing with it. So kind of a bit of a bittersweet, what would have, could have had 2020 happened. And so that, and I, as I mentioned, I'm going to Toronto to record, finishing up my album, which at the moment I plan to premiere in Macedonia, September 15 and 17, which is with full orchestra, choir, backup vocals, the whole shebang. So I'm finally doing, and it's a crossover project where I'm blending all my styles of what I've done. So there's pop, there's Balkan music and the little classical roots. Oh, wow. Such a mixture. Mm -hmm. That's something I've been wanting to do for a very long time. And it's finally happening. I'm recording with the orchestra in Macedonia. That's the plan for August, September, and then with the premiere in September. Well, that sounds like, you know, like you will be full of plans for the whole summer and pretty yeah. much no time. You know, as I said, I haven't been allowed to perform, but I have been so busy creating and just collaborating with people, which is amazing. So it's now it's action time. So and I'm proud to say that contracts have come in. I know that I'm doing things 24 and 2025 already. So things are coming in. So here we go. We're going to say. <laughs> So are we going to see you in Sweden? You, you kind of made a little hint earlier. Could you we know, see you I don't Sweden know. We'll year? see. I admit that there is some, I always say, for me, my first reason to do Eurovision was to represent my country. I got that. So that's been a bucket list. If and when I go again, I'm going for the kill. So mm. without the proper, I do believe that I have a few songs that could be contenders. But, you know, I also want to see what Macedonia is doing. Are we participating? Are we not? so it's and how will that go is it internal i love the fact that they're starting to do national selections i think it's important to get that it inspires so many artists to submit you know so you never know but we'll see maybe canada will go you know just saying <laughs> we're, we're waiting for an invitation that's all we, that's all australia got was an invitation and then they didn't leave that's all we need <laughs> tell them singers are interested <laughs> hope you're listening to the right podcasts whoever's in charge the right yeah. years the right <laughs> years 
Amazing, Vasil. Thank you so much once again for being with us to to celebrating Canada Day uh, on this special occasion. We hope to see you and your music in any form at at any music stage soon. <clears throat> your vision again, uh, but um, <laughs> you know that's that's pretty much it. Thank you so 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 much, and we wish you best of luck. And um, we we see you again at, at the next opportunity possible. So amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Once again, happy Canada Day to all the listeners. Listen to Eurovision, share that music, you know, keep that bond strong and the music alive because it keeps us together. So thank you so much. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. So great to have him on the podcast. I really wonder what he has planned for Eurovision and when. In uh, 2016, after a 15-year gap, and we've got another Canadian. This one, though, not French. The song or the singer. And I hope I'm saying this right because I can't remember from 2016. Would you say, was it Rika? 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 Rika. Let's say Rika. Yeah. That's not a Canadian. Or maybe it is in, in Vancouver. I have no idea because that's where she's from. She's from the west coast of Canada, near Vancouver. Um, she has one of her grandparents, although while they're all European, one is from Switzerland. And she spent a lot of time growing up in Switzerland. So. That's how she got to know um, Eurovision. And of course, she entered the 2016 national final and won with The Last of Our Kind. She competed in, yeah, there's not a whole lot to say here. Uh, she competed in semifinal two in Stockholm and she got 28 points, which was good enough for last place in semifinal two. Um, I've looked at her, obviously, because now we're in the modern era. So I've looked at her socials. There's not a whole lot there. Her music career hasn't really taken off, I guess, like she thought it would. But she's doing some project now with some other Canadian and U.S. Um, artists i guess where they're like flying through space and she's like on her way to mars or something it's it's just if, if if you've got time and you're listening look at her instagram and try and figure out what's happening and if you can figure out what it is let us know let us yeah, know because there's something <laughs> about a spaceship and she's on it and yeah anyway she's feeling universal she's that's yeah that's it right um, <laughs> I, I did read though that apparently she's focusing more so on North America slash Canada for her career. Uh, that said, I haven't heard of her outside of the context of Eurovision, although maybe it's just localized to Vancouver. I have no idea. Uh, I looked, well, I looked at a map. I did some calculations. I'm actually closer to Bratislava than I am to Vancouver. So that's just, you know, how big Canada is. So maybe, maybe on the West coast, she's famous. I have no idea. I'm very far away. She looks so different. Like, do you remember her? Like, she looks like this. Have you now. seen a picture of her from the Swiss final and then compare it to Stockholm? Yeah, yeah. I watched even, the final. Even, even that is, like, you wouldn't recognize her because she had, I think, <laughs> blonde, straight hair. It was like Marilyn Monroe vibe. Like, she had those 
short white curls and a white dress and everything. Yeah. That was the aesthetic she was going for. One thing I noticed uh, that I didn't, because I think, I think when I made the reel, I saw the performance for the second time ever. Uh, I didn't notice in, t- <laughs> in 2016 that her bra emits smoke. What? Watch it, watch it again. You'll see there's smoke coming out of her bra. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course. there's just so much else going on around at you know during the performance that you might have missed that. So that was probably that's the reason. Yes, you'll have to go of back course. and look at her bra. Anyway, because <laughs> this is what we all do: we take a look at a bra. Um, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I thought this was a perfectly fine song in the studio version like it's not world changing it's nothing super special but i thought it was okay um i like the little rollover she does in the studio version with the here we are at the end of the movie that's the only good part of it (laughs) but yeah we know what happened live um why did she do those knee bends or whatever it was like this i'm I'm gonna call them squats squats i guess yeah Yeah, i'm gonna call them squats and everything, it just didn't work. The vocals were also... Didn't didn't you say you saw a meme or a video or something that some, somebody actually counted how many times she squatted? Well, I think people in the comments on the YouTube okay. video, it, yeah. It was like, yeah, go for it, girl. Get it. Um, just, just, give... just to say, Canadians don't walk around doing that in everyday life. This is a Rika <laughs> thing, not a Canadian thing. I would be like with a 3 out of 10 for this one. Okay. That's. Oh my god, her bra is actually on fire. I mean, <laughs> look at this. Yeah, yeah, I know. Oh my goodness. I'm, I'm, I mean, she just. I will, I will give her, you know, points for, for, for the burning bra. So it will be like four points. Four points. From Better a burning bra than a burning bush, I guess. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I, yeah, I, I really don't have more to add to that. Um, I wouldn't go as far as to call her Canada shame in Eurovision, but certainly yeah. the result just, just wasn't there. Um, yeah, as, as a studio version, if it came on the radio, I wouldn't turn it off probably. I wouldn't reach for the, you know, change the song, but uh, it's not a song I would seek out and go, oh, I haven't heard that in a while. I need to listen to it again. So I'm giving this one also a three. So that is a 10 from the three of us combined. In total. In total, Aww. yes. Which is as much as you gave Cherise Laurence on the very first um, yeah. vote. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have to wait too long, though, for another Canadian to go to Eurovision. This time, representing a new country. And Greece enters the conversation. It's Katharine Duska in 2019. Uh, Again, another Montrealer. We have a lot of them coming from the Montreal area, or at least French Canada, Mm -hmm. Quebec in general. Um, But during her, I think when she was like a late kid, early teenager, she moved to Greece and she hasn't come back. So I don't know. Maybe the winters were too cold. (laughs) Um, Just just to give you an idea of how far we've come, 
Um, Catherine was born one year after Celine Dion, one Eurovision. Hmm. So yeah, she's quite young in in comparison. She uh, she actually started studying law. She was going to be a lawyer, but then she gave that up to focus on her music career. I'll let every <laughs> Sebi giggled. I was going to say I'm going to let everybody listening decide if that was a good idea or not for Catherine, but that's okay. She was doing and still continues to do festivals and these little mini concerts around Greece and around Europe. Um, the year she represented Greece for Tel Aviv, she was chosen internally with the song Better Love. Uh, and that came in fifth place mm-hmm. in the semifinal. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and goes on to the grand final and finished in 21st overall with 74 points. Um not my personally, not my favorite song ever, but uh, certainly memorable for the performance. Very theatrical. Yeah, I also read fun fact. Sebi's fun facts that she was uh, the most frequent last place in the final by televoting that year. Oh, lovely! I'll so, have yeah. to add that to my files. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think this is. I I really liked this song when it was released, uh, when it came out in studio version, and I also thought the music video was impressive. You know, she had that huge pink dress and that uh, whole construction thing. I thought this was going to be great. I thought this was going to be Greece's revival. You know, after a few not so good results. Yeah. Then we had to the live version. Um, I still was, you know torn about it i thought maybe this had some class when i just saw the pictures it kind of looked like a renaissance painting or something well yeah her vocals were off those silly medicine balls that they threw into the audience <laughs> what was that um yeah she ruined it for herself honestly it was a song with potential but yeah it just didn't work with that live performance so i would be like with a five very medium yes so as sebi said before the song in studio version is actually really good and i think katherine um she kind of messed it up with this mess on the stage which pretty much you know she wanted to put some artistic uh way in it i think and i think it failed you know um and as he said also like vocals weren't really you know on point um but the song itself in studio version works perfectly and and i enjoyed i um, i have to say i don't listen to it that much but now when i think about it it's you know it's it's a good song that we had but like just another example when you know people are hyping the song from the studio version and then bam it comes to the live stage performance and it can be Katarin Duska, better love, better home. <laughs> so I give her six out of ten. Yeah, I, I won't uh, drag this out much longer. I have nothing new to add to the conversation. Uh, I, I like the studio version quite okay. And I cringe every time the live version comes up. But <laughs> luckily, her fellow Canadians will never know because that is one of the years where all of Eurovision is geo-blocked in Canada and it's impossible to see it on YouTube. So no one will ever know. Uh, but of course, I use VPNs uh, because I'm a nerd and I've seen it and I didn't like it. I'm giving it a three. <laughs> so that is a total of 14 for us. And I'm really interested now because we've arrived at the last and most recent Canadian, obviously, to 
go to Eurovision. And obviously, I think everyone listening knows who this is and is probably fairly up on the news and knows kind of a whole lot what happened. So let's start off pretending we don't know anything. I think I think that'll help us all out. So guys, guess what? A Canadian woman went to Eurovision in Liverpool. <gasps> you don't say. And guess what? She's from the Montreal area. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine. Oh, wow. Uh, this time, uh, we've got a woman named Fatima, born to Moroccan parents. Stage name, Lazara. And she became semi-famous in 2016. She released a single with French rapper Nero. And that's kind of how she got known in France. Uh, she goes on, releases another single called Printemps Blanc, so White Spring. Um, her album Très comes out in 2021. That actually peaked at 82 on the French album chart. So impressive, 82. Uh, I guess that was good enough, though, for France to internally select her for Eurovision 2023. That's all France Télévisions needed <laughs> because, boom, there she is. Fun fact, évidemment, also peaked at 82 on the French singles chart. <laughs> her lucky number, her lucky number. Very nice. Although it did peak in seventh place in Lithuania, so I guess she'll always have that. Um, of course, we all know what happened with David Mont. She was uh, hot, hotly tipped to go in and do quite well. Uh, not so much. Um, I feel some of it might have started with the pre-parties, where she didn't go to some of them, and then she showed up, I think it was in Amsterdam, but then she didn't perform after, and... Attitude. There was this, always. Yeah, this whole attitude seemed to develop. Um, I mean, she did get 16th place, 104 points overall, so not awful. But of course, when the televote points came in, they zoomed in at her. She kind of gave everybody the finger because she wasn't happy with 50 points. Uh, yes, of course, Jan is doing that now on the screen, which is fine that nobody can see it. Um, <laughs> but she continue, She hasn't given up on the song. Unlike Celine Dion, who forgot about Ne Partez Pas Sans right after Eurovision, uh, Evidemment is still uh, being played on French radio, although less than she would like, probably. She just released a Greek version and a duet with Katerina Stikoudi. I hope I pronounced that right, in Greece. Yes. Uh, just in general, she. I mean, it's been a hard summer for her since Eurovision. Uh, she was actually dropped from a few festivals. She said to cancel some of her concert dates. And they've been selling tickets in some venues for less than half of the face value of what they were originally asking for. So I don't know if we'll have her on to talk about her Eurovision experience because she probably wants to forget about it. Yes. <laughs> that said, Sebi, what did you make of Evidemont this year? Well, we can keep this short because we talked about this song like way too many times on this podcast. Uh, I thought it was decent enough like it wasn't my favorite but it was okay in the studio version but um she looked so uncomfortable live like we were watching this you know her second rehearsal clip that was shown in the seminar we were like oh fridge this is gonna flop hard <laughs> wouldn't it be funny if it turns out she was afraid of heights and that was the yes. <laughs> amazing. 
And, you know, to have so little class for someone who pretends to be so classy and dresses up, you know, in the most classy way, that was really poor, I thought. Um, if you show the finger about 50 points, you don't even deserve those 50. Like, you don't deserve any. And I don't know what to well, she came. Well, she came into the game to win the yeah, whole and thing. She didn't. That's and until the very last moment, and until the very last moment, she was, you know, convinced that she will win, and this is why. Yeah, but she forgot that there was Lorraine. There was fifteen others who were higher than her. Several <laughs> other. Yeah, exactly. Um, she gave one finger. I'll give her two fingers and two points out of ten. I enjoyed studio version of the song, uh, and we talked in the podcast several months ago, yeah, because all we do is talk about songs, uh, that she actually performed it well live. But when we were watching her performance from semifinal one or two, which one was she? Two, I think. Two? We all saw that, you know high note who didn't go the way he, she wanted to go um and also her posture and everything she was you know standing yes she was like that high. yeah yeah <laughs> like a turtle <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i don't know it's i would also say that uh, it's definitely for me one of the best songs of this year but i also get it why she ended up as she did because i mean that's kind of you know, attitude that she had, it came as no surprise with with the not outcome anyway. So, but I will still give it, I don't know, wheat out of 10. Is it how you say eight? No, wheat. wheat it is. It is. Ooh. That's that's a high score. Um, I know. I agree with uh, Jan, although this was a grower for me. I initially really didn't like this song first when it came out. It took a long time, I think, for me to kind of catch on and, and because it was stuck between, okay, is this like supposed to be a dance song? Is this a ballad? Like, it, identify yourself as a song. Like, what are you? What genre are you? Which <laughs> sounds really weird to say, but like, because like you, you want to dance, but like it doesn't quite get there, but then it's not quite a ballad. So it's not like, I don't know. I just, I had a hard time with it. Anyway, I finally got it. And then, like you said, the, the rehearsals came out. And sure enough, in the final, the, the Grande France, she doesn't hit it. And she seemed very uncomfortable up on that podium, and it just fell who wouldn't? flat. No. Well, yeah, who wouldn't? Yeah. So I will be a polite Canadian. Yeah, and I will put this right in the middle at a five, giving this a total of 15 between the three of us. Before we look at our results, three really, really, really quick uh, honorable mentions, I'll call them. Because there are others who have been at Eurovision that might not have our ugly blue passport, but still have strong ties to Canada. One of them, we found out through some really hard-hitting investigative journalism on the part of Jan and Sebi, who was our first interview, was, of course, Susie from Portugal, who uh, we found out has some really strong ties. I believe she said it was to Vancouver, right? Yes. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna give her like a, a half Canadian mention. <laughs> um, yeah, ha- half a passport. <laughs> we also have uh, Esther Pioni, 
mm-hmm. from Romania 2019, who I found out lived in Montreal. Again, what is this with Montreal? Uh, I shouldn't say that. Montreal is my favorite city in Canada. Uh, she lived in Montreal when she was a kid from, I guess, her primary elementary years of school. And it was at school in Montreal where she got into music and started performing and writing her own music. And, of course, that led her eventually to the Romanian final in 2019, which she won. And, of course, our guest today, Vasil from North Macedonia, who uh, told us already about his, I guess, links to Canada. So I won't uh, harp on that very much. He doesn't have citizenship, but if Canada ever gets to go to Eurovision, I, I say we give him citizenship and let him go. Hopefully with a nice bop. Not a not a not a bop, 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 bop. Although he's like he's obviously classically trained and sings sings that so well. But uh, I think he alluded to uh, you maybe having would have done a bit better. And I I think I agree with him that uh, had he got to take you to Eurovision, it might have done better than uh, I stand. But oh, it was such a I stand song. to be corrected. Yeah, <laughs> both both great, but just two completely different genres again, which might have yeah. had different outcomes in the voting. But who knows? Exactly. So our third place was Lara Fabian, Luxembourg '88. Mm. We gave her twenty four points. Our runner up of our long list of eight songs was Celine Dion, Switzerland '88, mm-hmm. and our winner by one point was Natasha Saint-Pierre, France 2001. I think I think strong the strong top three. So this time Celine yeah. lost by one point, not won by one point. Car yes, but it's not as funny because the UK isn't involved. Yes. Oh. Luckily. Yeah. Imagine that. Imagine that. But they, they're, they're used to second place. They've got, what, 16 of them? 17, I think. I think I thought it was 16 this year. We'll, we'll look that up. But I thought it was 16. But uh, I, yeah, I think I think she deservedly beat uh, Go. But I'm I'm fine with Natasha Saint Pierre being in first place for us. Yes. No, it's such a great song. It, <laughs> yeah. it is an amazing one. Definitely. Yeah, and I'm going, a good going to listen to, listen to the studio version of it after we're done for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, some other quick little things that I thought was interesting. Um, because there's this argument, and we, we asked uh, Vasil, what do you think? Should Canada take part? He said yes. And our friends at Aussie Vision, every year they do this poll, and they ask all, they, tr- they try and figure out what the average Eurovision fan is. It's quite interesting if you like data. And we know you do, because our data dive was one of the most listened to episodes that we've uh, had so far. So they asked, what country would you like to see debut? And I was shocked to see 40% say Canada. Oh wow. So that's quite high. Out right? of how many uh, options? Two out of two out of five people. They listed about ten, but you could vote for as many as you wanted to. I'd like to point out that the USA only had thirteen percent approval from Eurovision fans that, that uh, did the poll. Which is still a lot. The number still still a lot for the US, but that's okay. Uh, Kosovo actually had the highest uh, hoping to debut percentage. 76% and close behind were Kazakhstan, Lebanon, and New Zealand, which I guess being mm. Aussie vision, I guess New Zealand kind of makes sense. But 40%, that's pretty high. Uh, I did look into it because, you know, CBC does cover Eurovision every year to the extent that they acknowledge that it exists. 
and will often just simply put out a, an article the day after or show it on the news really quickly. Oh, so-and-so won Eurovision this year. Uh, they actually interviewed the head of public affairs for CBC this year because of Lazara, because we had a Canadian going. And they asked him, you know, is CBC thinking about this? Is this something, you know, Australia did it? So this is what he said. Canada has considered participating, but our programmers don't believe it would resonate here the way it does in other countries, some of which have broadcast the show for decades. The fact that he calls it the show. Anyway. While not the only factor in our decision-making process, Eurovision is very expensive to produce, and especially so if we were to host it. So, those would be the reasons. So, it's not on their radar. It's not something, I guess, in the coming years that uh, could happen. And I kind of have to agree. I, I could get some shit for this, but that's okay. I, I personally, like, I, I think it would be great like, it's a feeling that the both of you get, and I'm sure many listeners get who live in nations where Eurovision is a thing and you participate. You get the whole, like, who are we picking this year? And then it's selected. You get the song. What's it going to look like on stage? And then if you're really lucky, you get to watch the points come in. Like, I'll never have that feeling for Canada, you know, like that you guys have for your countries. And I don't think I would want that if Canada just suddenly joined next year. And because nobody here knows what it is. There's a very small group of Canadians that know what Eurovision is. So if there wasn't this like uniting coast to coast to coast knowledge of what Eurovision is and this excitement about it, I think it would be very weird in an arena in Europe with a Canadian flag cheering on Canada when nobody back home was watching. Mm. You know? So I think for that reason, I kind of, I'm, I'm fine with Canada staying out of it. That said, um, Una Voce per San Marino is accepting submissions. So Canadians listening, you have a way in. You just need to fly <laughs> over. Marino. You just have to fly over, get a hotel in San Marino, do the audition, and you're golden. So you can get an Airbnb with Valentina Moneta, who's a you know yeah. master. Yes, and we version. will we will tell you who she is. We will get you in contact with her. She'd love to see you. Um, so. Yeah, so until, yeah, until the culture here changes, if and ever that will happen, um, there's been progress. I mean, some people saw the movie on Netflix, so some people think it's a movie. Like, but when I, I have still... my Eurovision party every year, I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a whore for the Eurovision shop, right? So I buy the balloons. So I go and get them filled at the store, and they're like, oh, look, Eurovision. I didn't know the movie sold merch. So every year I, I mean, have this conversation... Can I put my two cents on this comparison of, I still, it's so hard to believe how EBU let this whole story to be sold in a way as Netflix did it. Because like, I think just a little bit after Eurovision, Hannah w Waddingham, how do you pronounce? Hannah. Yeah. The, the, the Hannah host. Waddingham. <laughs> yeah, she was with Kelly Clarkson and Kelly, Kelly said, oh, I love Eurovision. I was like, huh, how are you aware? And then I noticed that she's obviously referring to Eurovision movie, which probably she have she has no idea. It's not exactly the same thing. And it's, you know, it's, I would, I would say you shouldn't be allowed to participate. Learn about exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, comparing to different things. Okay. Eurovision on TV. Wow, the, the, these are like the only two things they, they have in common. And I'm like, 
no, it's not the same. Just to let you know. That's my two cents. Thank you all. Mic drop. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's it's, fr- it's frustrating that way. Um, I don't remember what we were saying before your little uh, mic drop. Oh, yeah, like I was saying, I had this party, and they're like, "Why? Why do you have balloons from a movie?" And then it's the explanation. Well, this is so like as long as that keeps happening, it's very it would be very depressing to send and say, "No, no, we're we're involved. We have, you know, we have stickers." <laughs> yeah. Explaining that would be even worse, I think. Um, plus, would you want it? Would you want it? Like Vasil said, he would go for Canada. We'd be happy to send him. But like, imagine being him on stage, knowing nobody back in Canada knows that you're there, what you're doing, what your song is. Yeah, it would, it would, it would be tough. And like, you, YouTube is helping. Like since 2021, um, it's not been geo blocked anymore. So now we've got three contests in a row that are easily accessible. You can look up the songs, watch the whole live streams if you want. I think that's helping, but it's still a very niche thing. Where like, unless you're really into pop culture and pop music, like you probably haven't heard of it well probably some people you know in in barcelona are now more aware of your vision after we've been playing so many songs on youtube how did we not get kicked out of that airbnb after the final? <laughs> i have no it's idea and it's probably, there. probably because probably because like every single evening there there has been some baby crying and we've been you know and dogs super kind well. yeah. exactly oh my god and like and at some point we were like we're not such a trouble here so yeah yeah oh my well i guess we can leave it we can leave it there right sebi do you want to tell people how they can get in touch um, yeah, I think our little uh, invoice did it already for you. Uh, follow us on Instagram. Feel free to leave us a review. Send us an email anytime. And we'll be back with a new episode very soon. Thank you for listening. And once again, happy Canada Day. Bye-bye. Au revoir. Bye. Happy Canada Day, eh? Oh, wait. How do you say it in German and Slovenian? Vesel dan Canada. A phone Canada tag. Oh, here we go. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.